3: All
2: right. uh, Welcome back, everybody, to the Gamekeeper Studio here in the Moles Building.
1: Here we are. Once again. Once again. This is getting to be a regular thing. It is. Uh, Well, we're having fun. I don't know Mm -hmm. if we've really stayed at many things this long in our life except for turkey hunting and, you know. So, Dudley, how are you doing? Bobby,
3: I'm great. How about yourself? You you
2: look like you're clean-shaven, and uh, you look fresh. I feel
3: fresh. Yeah,
2: things going good.
3: Fresh and clean. Going
2: great. So today's episode, what I'm hoping to do uh, is uh, we've got Austin Delano here. He's not really a guest. Our own. Yeah, he's been around these parts for a long time. He just lives in Florence, Alabama. And uh, so he's here today. So we'll talk to him. We want to ask him, like, and I want to ask y'all, what what? are are where are the, what, can you remember the toughest turkey you ever hunted? And where was it? You know, mm-hmm. we'd ultimately like to kind of boil down to where regionally are the tur- toughest turkeys. We all have an opinion. And then I want to ask, what's the one thing that you must have, you have to have in your turkey vest? You couldn't live without it because I brought mine.
1: I know what yours I is. I have it right there, and I don't want anybody else to touch it. I would be surprised if... What you pull out of that bag is not what I think it is. You, you probably know
2: because yeah. you, you know how much I cherish it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. so um, that's kind of what we're going to do today. And then I've got we may we may make a phone call and check on who with, we going to call with uh, Mark Womack. <laughs> you know, he's uh, Mark Womag. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's out all over the country, and we'll ask him those
1: same questions. So. You know, I have to say, Mark can yelp.
2: Yeah, he, uh, he, he he sure can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had Chuck Seitz teed up to be on the show, but he's kind of MIA on me, so I don't know. Uh, he's, he's he's you know, he's doing uh, some important work over there in the state of Alabama, managing the wildlife and and uh, all that. So obviously he's busy, but we'll eventually have him on the show, I'm sure. So, uh, Mac, have you got a, a a commercial prepared for us that we can do?
0: All right, so. Have you guys ever hunted turkeys around Chufa and clover fields? So with that being said, research by Texas A&M University revealed that a diet of a wild turkey consists of approximately 36% grasses, 29% insects, 19%
1: mass, and 16% forbs. Wow. Very diversified. Crawl, crawl, crawl. What is it, Dudley? Crop, Crop. crawl, crawl, whatever you want to call it. We got to get Austin and Mike Mm -hmm. over here to chime in on this mm.
4: Mm.
2: well you know his first little comment there about clover and chufas. you know a lot of people just think about clover for for deer but turkeys absolutely love it and it's an important uh, if you've got it on your property clover, it, it, it's there to nourish them they'll they'll but they also they can chase insects in it
1: Bugs. really good we yeah. good we had a bug sound bite you know
2: it would be good if we had a bug, an insect soundbite. Yeah, so. We're doing we're doing good. Just to get this recorded. Yeah, There it is. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think we're doing good. So I see that Austin has been led into the room from the from outside. He's in from the, the holding chambers. Yeah. The, he's. Uh,
5: this is going to get real confusing. That I just found out we have another Austin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it won't be that bad.
5: No. Wow. We don't have to have a new. I just connect those. those well,
2: he's
1: Austin the intern. There you go. <laughs> and you are Austin. <laughs> the Austin. The Austin. You know, hey. you know,
2: Austin and I go a long ways back Wade. when we had – he was managing the little property up there that we leased called Deerstep, Step. Mm-hmm. And so I went up there to look at Deerstep Step for the first time, and the way that I got to look at it was I told Austin – really Need to come turkey hunt this place. No, yeah, I'm going to come over here daylight in about
1: <laughs> April 1st if you don't mind.
2: And uh, so that's what we did.
1: Hey, and we that, had some that, fun turkey hunting. That's how
2: we met. We it's, had
1: some really good hunts turkey hunting. It's, it's a good turkey hunting place. Yeah. It's a fine lodge,
5: too.
2: Killed a turkey that first morning, too.
5: We did. And a made a short hunt.
2: It was. He drummed a lot. That was a
5: great hunt. I can remember. We made a big circle on him and I guessed right about where he wanted to be at. That's always I, good. I think Bobby thought I was maybe a better turkey hunter than I really was. Nah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a good hunt. They're all good. And no wonder
5: you got hired. He took and he any a
1: good <laughs> turkey. <laughs> <need to> <laughs> turkey. Oh, 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 oh right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Me and
5: Landy had a really good hunt there. Yeah, we, we got did messed up by a couple of hound dogs. Remember that? Oh yeah, I did on that hill right there. We called them off the of public land, mm-hmm. strutted all the way to us. And, was, and we were in this
1: awkward position. Yeah. We were all downhill and but couldn't we were do anything with it. But we were double either.
5: up. Yeah. And they got to that magic 70, 80-yard mark where you're like, all right, time to click safety off. And
4: uh, <laughs>
5: Not only did uh, they, yeah.
1: Not only was it noise, they ran right through the yeah. middle of two The turkeys road. were here. Here comes the dogs. And we <laughs> ran them on off.
2: Uh, but.
1: Been there, done that. But. We persevered.
5: Put the old loop to loop on them, didn't we? Yeah, went back got on a different ridge and yelped them right back up. Mm-hmm. Booyah. Mm. Mm. See? They, when they want it, they want it. That's that sounds fine.
2: It. So, I, you know, I think we have totally derailed max's question or his, his – Oh, we well, were Marshall talking about clover. We were talking about clover and chufa. Chufa. Just to circle back around and try to – So together. let's finish that. But right now, the point is right now is in the spring of the year. You need to be thinking about what you could be planning for your turkeys for next year. Obviously for this year, but thinking – because a lot of guys are going to go to their club and they're, they're not going to have – their food plots aren't in good shape. Well, now's the time to start thinking about what you're going to do. So you can soil test and fertilize uh, uh, appropriately. And then and, and if you're in the north, now's the time to plant clover. And uh, and then this summer, usually May and June, you can plant chufas. And if you have not experienced turkeys around chufas, I know you guys have, it's a pretty a incredible. Bit. Mm-hmm. If you don't have pigs. If you got pigs, it's... Uh,
1: so you plant chufas in the spring.
2: You plant them in the summer, in the like summer. May and June, mm-hmm. and then they'll grow all the rest of the summer and kind of mature as the winter begins or the fall begins, and they'll start scratching them up in the winter and really get into them in the winter and the spring.
5: Yeah. I think that's the biggest misconception a lot of guys get with planting something specifically for their turkeys is not realizing it's not going to be ready tomorrow. Right. right. We're doing this for you know next the year. upcoming fall winter and hopefully still got them pinned down when the spring rolls around so i mean that's a big part of being you know having a lot of diversity on your property having maybe some sorghum that's still standing you got chifa, you got clover
1: well and having a long-term approach to your you know yeah. what you're doing from a wildlife management perspective
2: so Austin do you remember uh, this is going back 15 years ago but when we were first developing whistlebacks, just trying to come up with it. We tested it along the road there at Deer Step. Planted that mile long road. We planted the edge of it, and you could not ride down that road without seeing. There was about ten or fifteen hens that would stay up there in that stuff, and that made me fall in love
5: with. what They lived right. in it, and what was funny was, you know, after years of putting it in some of the same spots, it only took about one season for them to realize the stuff that was tall, like the Egyptian wheat they'd start flying into it on purpose to knock huh. that thing down, you know, because mm-hmm. the Egyptian wheat's so tall, to knock that head down to the ground so there was easy pickings. Wow. But then the deer started bedding up in it, and we were like, hey, yeah. there's something to this.
2: Mm-hmm. So that that product, you know, if you look at the bag, you think it's designed for quail or does, but but wild turkeys absolutely love it. It's fantastic. What's Works in a duck hole in a pinch, too. It can. Yep. Yeah. But those, I think about those all the time. Those those hens, they they just lived. Couldn't in run them out of it.
5: No. Oh. It was it was almost like turkeys on the Natchez Trace where they, you ride by and they just look at you. Yeah. <laughs> they just stare at you like, if they don't stop, we ain't going to stop. Bro. That's
1: right. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Even what George said when we were talking to him a couple of weeks ago about know, I was like, well, where where are they, are they at the same places every year? And he's like, well, they're with the hens. And why are the hens where they are? Because they're slaves to their stomach. I mean, mm-hmm. so it all goes back to. You know, good grub. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, well, look. Uh, let's keep this going. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Dudley has prepared some questions. for Oh, uh, yes. Oh uh, my goodness. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. Austin, I don't know if you leave. You know, there's if you listen to our podcast, but occasionally I ask these guys a question, and you, generally I am I, still I, I, pissed I off.
1: Them. I missed the grizzly bear question. I yeah. was thinking
3: about it last night. Well, you got me. Man. Well, he's good at getting— He got me. He's good at—so now, now we know that he's trying to get us. Yeah. So we can add that but to the I'd equation. Ha- Dudley, I already knew that, you know?
2: So right, Austin—so okay. uh, so Dudley <laughs> yesterday was uh, trying to think about what—you what, know, something to ask you. And I said, well, the sweet spot for Austin— is the television show The Office. You know any
4: and everything
2: there is to know about The Office.
3: All right, so So, the only person in my world who might know more than you about The Office is my daughter, Belmont. Ooh. You can mention something and she'll be like, season two, episode four. Yeah. So I, I asked her to I asked her to come up with some trivia and she, oh, man. she obliged. Yeah, and so. we've got a great prize pack for you if you're able to win this
1: thing. <laughs> it's the gamekeeper prize pack. Yeah.
3: All right. So question number one. Are these multiple choice? Um, no. Okay. Ooh. What's the secret? For Kevin's
5: favorite chili, Ooh. the secret is you overcook the onion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got
3: it! <laughs> he he so, nailed, like he didn't have to think about that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on!
5: <laughs> but
3: okay, so is this a typo in my wait, daughter's wait text? A minute. You said undercooked. I and said, he said undercooked.
5: Overcooked. It's overcooked. I'm we late. we
3: need to fact check. That may be yeah, an autocorrect.
5: Yeah. yeah. We hope. But it. the best part of that whole episode is him walking in, <laughs> spilling this gigantic military pot size full of chili. Yeah, I remember that. And putting it back into the clipboard.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: it, it looked like somebody gave birth there. Uh, the
3: uh, All right, question number two: What name does Angela and Pam want to use for their babies? Same name. I can't come up with
2: mm. I smell wood burning.
3: Mm. He was digging on that one. Uh, the correct answer is Philip. Uh, yeah, okay. I mm. Last question. I'd have never got that, of course. Who started the fire
5: and how? White started the fire. No, w- what episode? Because there was two fires. There was one in the microwave incident, and then there was also the trash can incident. <laughs> 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 All right, microwave. That's <laughs> I had to clarify. <laughs> I believe that would have been the intern. Yes,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I heard the Jeopardy. Tune. Is this is not impressive. So impressive. I'm gonna.
3: I'm going to give you 50% credit on that. Yeah. Uh, That's Ryan uh,
5: leaving his cheesy pita
3: in the toaster. Yeah.
5: Mm. He was referred to as the intern at first, and then they started calling him
3: Ryan. All right. So I I have one more question. What is Dwight's favorite TV show? Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He's killing it. That is
1: amazing. And he knows more about food plots than he does about the office. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll tell you what, he knows a lot about the office.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: my gosh. It's like he knew I'm you really were impressed. Ask a silly question. It's like, you can just randomly text Austin at any hour of the day or night, and he'll say, Hey, I'm watching um, the office rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> it's, under-cooked it's undercooked onions.
1: Good.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think we ought to give that to him, though, because he got right there. Right,
3: I mean it.
5: He got it. We rang the bell. Yeah, it's probably been a couple of years since I saw that particular episode. So. <laughs> Over under, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I still pre-law, pre I can still see the camera angle they used when they asked him what his secret was. <laughs> <the children>.
3: Yeah.
5: <laughs> oh me, that's um, great. That's good.
2: Well, so why don't we uh, just go straight in? I just got a text from Chuck Sykes. Is he in? We're going to talk, talk to Chuck. So, yeah, yeah. So all right. So why don't we? Uh, why don't we talk first about what's what one thing that we can't live without and then um uh, and then maybe we call Mark and then we'll just keep
3: moving like that. How's that sound? Sound good to me. <clears throat> yep. All right. Okay, Dudley. Okay. Two things actually. One, uh I I finally lost it a couple of years ago, but um it's kind of a lucky thing. My dad used to carry his turkeys out of the woods with a shoelace. He would wrap it around the barrel of his his the thirty inch barrel of his Remington eight seventy. Uh, you know, tie the tie the legs up with the turkey, and then sling that over the vent rib, and then put the gun over his shoulder and walk out of the woods. And so, um, all the the vent rib is bent on my eight seventy from all the turkeys that he hauled out, uh, and uh, it fell off my vest a few years ago. But uh, now the, the I, shoelace, the shoelace, the lucky shoelace. Um, so I do care- you, you don't have it anymore. No, I lost it. Oh, yeah, man. It kind of stinks. But um, it's one
5: with the earth somewhere.
3: Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it fell in a good place for him, I can assure you. Um, I always carry a paper bag to put mushrooms in that I find in the woods when I'm turkey hunting. And I, I think a lot of people do that. I don't know. That, that's not exactly what I was <laughs> expecting you to say, to be honest with you. Y'all me. are two different <laughs> levels of turkey hunters.
1: We <laughs> were talking about this this morning. Yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. I mean, what am I going to say, toilet paper? I no, mean, who doesn't put like toilet a, paper? No,
1: I,
2: I'm talking like a, 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 I cut off a wing and I've got a wing that I use or I've got a certain, some, some kind of call right. that puts
3: you in a pinch. Well, I'm not always there just to turkey hunt. That's just my Thanks. thing.
2: No, well, that's a good point. So. And, and I, you're, you know what? You probably enjoy the mornings a lot more than I do be, have with an attitude like that. So good for you. All right, How's all right. Let's is. move on down to. Uh, so, but, 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 but to clarify. We've got a paper bag, and we've got a yeah.
3: Whether whether it's some kind of seed or some plant, I, I dig up to take to the nursery. You know, something. Sure. But, okay. Uh, all right, Lanny. What me? about you? Well, I, I, would, I, you know, I run through mouth
1: calls a lot. So, oh my gosh! Blowing them
2: out What you do? <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, kind of, kind of do that. So. Uh, I think probably the one thing I've been carrying with me uh, longer than anything is, uh, and you've seen me use it, is a real, really old bottomland uh, critter getter alcohol. Mm hmm. Uh and I've never found anything in the world that compares to what it sounds
2: like. I don't even think Critter gutters is in I, business I've tried anymore.
1: I've even tried to find it was a guy named Craig Schultz. Yeah. Um I need to try to find him, but you know, it's got a it's got a metal um base to it, uh and it's it's just uh the woodsiest, owlest sounding thing I've ever had in my life. So mm-hmm. that, you know, I have to have I I just, you know, it's my one of my sacred possessions. So I have that a lot. Uh and then of course where I hunt, you better have that thermosail. So yeah. I you know, it it's killed it's killed turkeys. Yeah. I mean it's the bottom line because a lot of the places that we hunt, especially here, places where I hunt, you will get Oh, malaria. You, Lots <laughs> of insects.
2: You'll turn it on and then you'll just close your eyes for about sixty seconds yeah. until it can kinda of start. And working. you need it. There you, there especially hunting with kids. You know,
1: one of the keys to turkey hunting is staying still, you know, especially with some of the places and the, the degree of difficulty we have. So you gotta be still. So uh, you know.
2: You know, I've never and seen I don't like it.
1: spraying stuff on me, so
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've never seen – you. you well, if you take your hat off, you stack turkey calls in the, in, in the inside yeah. of your hat. I've never seen anybody else do that. I wonder if other people do that. I think
3: that was a 90s thing when college. You know, it was cool to have them in there. I, I, hell, I thought I was the only one hunting in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, it's You know, I lose stuff all the time, so I have to uh, yeah. be careful where I put
5: it. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. That was a good one. What about you, Austin? <laughs> I'm kind of like that. It's it's more like two things. Um, Got to have t- tick spray. Something strong. <laughs> <laughs> the mosquitoes are one deal, and they can definitely ruin a hunt because of the motion. But the fear of getting bit by something that can cause me not to eat red meat the rest of my life is enough. To <laughs> yeah, it's take bad. Take a bath and whatever it takes to not get bit by any more ticks than you have to, because you still get them. Yeah, but it's like. Man, well, they just—they find me. Yeah, everything that bites finds me. Wasps—they after you. They just all—I've got oh sweet meat over. There. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that signal, that bat signal I put out that says come <laughs> me. So
2: that and you know Step, when we
5: hunted up there, there were a lot of ticks up there. That, uh, that whole corner of the state to me, of all the places I've been, is absolute worst when it comes to tick, and of all the varieties there are, the small ones, the big ones, the Lone Stars. We seem to have them all, so mm-hmm. that's the one I just can't leave home without. It's going to be tick spray. You know, mm-hmm. I'll give you guys a little bit of a something
2: that I've learned um, that, that I tried, and I was pleasantly surprised. But uh, there's this company called Game Hide that makes the Elimatic clothing, and they, mm-hmm. and it'll last for I think it's about forty washes. But it's in they're in mossy oak patterns, especially obsession. But you pull on those clothes, and they have socks and pants. It's and a base layer? It's, it's, uh, yes, they've got a base layer, and they've got an outer layer. You will not get a tick. So, c- a limit tick. A couple of years ago, I went to Missouri in May, and just the thought of Missouri in May, uh, that's that's Tick, tick country, mm-hmm. yeah. And I wore it for three days and did not get a tick on me. Yeah. It, it's amazing stuff.
5: I had something similar to that years ago. Y'all remember Rhino Hide? Oh, yeah. yeah. They made yeah it I forgot about that. Mossy Breakup, mm-hmm. original breakup. I had some of that, of course, over the years of using it for yeah. – Ever finally wore it out, but that's my number one. My number two is like Lanny is a is a call, and it's a very old Primo's Crow call, mm-hmm. and I've never found one since that it sounds. Is it wooden or plastic? It's wood. Yeah, I've never had one since it's nice as back. authentic. And I'm always it's it's one that I've had it so long. Sometimes I'm afraid to blow it because I'm like, this might be its last, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is those rings last deal, you know. But I've had several panic attacks, like not knowing where that alcohol is. Yeah. You know, in the <laughs> woods. <laughs> it's just, it's really good. The, it's good enough to where you get sick of how many crows you call in. Right. Just from long distances off because they just, they're almost as good as a turkey about zeroing in on exactly where a call came from, mm-hmm. you know, and I try not to be much of a locator person, but sometimes you just, when you hadn't heard him for thirty minutes, you're like, I oh, gotta freaking know where. Oh, there's birds. countless birds mm-hmm. that won't
1: respond to yelping and get locked up, and then you yeah. shower down on the crow, and you know where Especially they are. When it no gets on that. up in the afternoon, yeah. when it's hot, yeah. and
5: you know you don't really know where they're at. It's hard to beat a well, really solid,
1: and it's a good strategy
2: crow crow. sometimes when you're trying to figure out just exactly where he is without giving away your yeah, location. I don't like
1: yelping yeah. at him. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so I you try can, to yelp at him as little that, as possible. That crow works
2: good. Remember, uh, I've still got Mister. Uh, Mr. Mr. Joe. Joe gave me a hawk call.
1: I've still got that too. And that's one of my most prized. Possessions. It's so prized that I don't even take it with me. You know, because he hand, you know, he hand does those mm-hmm. things. Hawk whistle. Yeah, out yeah. of cedar. He carved them out of cedar and builds it with rubber bands.
2: Uh-huh. We I need to check him. on
1: Mr. Joe. Yeah, we do.
2: I thought about him the other day. He'd yeah. be a great guest. Yes, he at would. At
1: some, some point. Oh, so, yeah. So, okay Mr. Turkey so, yeah. down there, yeah. so, old, been hunting since he's 15. So, What's the secrets of the.
2: Yeah, so my the, the my my bass. one thing that I just if I didn't have it would make me sick is an old wooden box call that just sounds so sweet. It I is just know seductive. <laughs> it is, and I don't th- you know the. the it, I can't even. I don't even know who made it. It it's just it's just always sounded so good. And I had two. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, about five years ago, I lost one of. them. I'm still looking for that one. thing. Oh wow! And I walked around almost the whole day. Looking, looking for it for and it. never found it. Was but that the, anyways, was that the
5: season you went into depression?
2: It is, yeah. I mean, I, that was. <laughs> you the, got it with I, you? I've got the one that I carry now. Why, yep. why don't you chirp so, on it for she, it? One and, time. And she's so sweet.
5: <laughs> this
1: thing is sweet now. If you get. Uh, I, I have to say.
2: All right, here we go. Yeah, somebody should get ready because turkeys are probably going to be in the back door. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I like it. It's kind of high
2: pitched. Yeah. I like it, and it. Uh, yeah, I don't like it too. And it, it sounded really weird through the headphones there, but uh, but it usually. No, they love they, it. They can't not gobble at it, and I think it's because it's high pitched. It is high
1: pitched. So, I, I've heard a lot of talk. Turkeys gobble at that thing. If I lost that one, it would really—it would really, it really makes me. Bobby mad when he yelps on that thing and they don't gobble, <laughs> and then I yelp on top of it and they do. He turns around and gives you a yeah. scowling look. I've seen that. I look. sound more like the you know the girl at the bar that smoked a whole carton of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trashy. He's sexy. <laughs> some, oh, some hey, sometimes right. Sometimes yeah. Marlboro woman. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, hey, Mike. Are you over there texting? What are you doing? <laughs> Again? What do you, uh, have you got one
1: thing in your vest?
0: Extra face mask.
1: That's Ooh. pretty smart. Yeah. I knew a guy one time that had a face mask that was white on the inside. It was one of those, you know, kind of pullovers. Uh, and, you know, put it on backwards. Ruined his turkey hunt. Oh, yeah. yeah you the, know that guy, Bob? Yeah, that
2: turkey walked up and like at about 16 hours, just board. put on brakes. <laughs> <Yeah. Like, what, laughs> but have y'all seen those? Sometimes the fabric that it's printed on is just white on the back side.
1: Mm-hmm. And, in the and then dark. it's camo
2: on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so, sitting against a tree in the dark, I put my face mask on and put it on totally inside out.
1: <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> Not to get too technical, but one thing I am fairly positive of is the UV on your camo clothing. Uh-huh. If it gets washed in today's modern. Detergent stuff like that because a lot of people don't think about their uh, turkey gear being washed in no scent, you know, no dye stuff. But right. a lot of like a lot of the high end detergents have UV brighteners in them to make your clothes look better. And if you wash your camo in that, go take a black light, turn the lights off, and look at your camo because I think turkeys may be able to see that a lot better than. Some other critters, huh? That's
1: interesting because yeah, right. that's been a conversation we've had for years, and yeah. even you know they had UV brighteners and reducers that uh, sport wash. I think it They've was for years. That has had for years, and it works. Because and it works. I Tested it yeah. under a black lot. I use I use a dye free detergent free you know stuff we use for yeah. the kids, and it works out well for us. But hmm. yeah, I, I never know. thought about it with turkeys. I didn't You know, and I, know I do there's there's certain fabrics that I don't like to wear um that have I mean
5: you can see the sheen on this a little bit mm-hmm. yeah in the woods i mean I like I, to wear more cotton I, yeah just like a hat you've got on right there yeah I color those letters with a brown Sharpie yeah. before I'll go out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or just I rub mean,
3: it in the mud. Oh, yeah. Toxie
5: blacks out every logo. he's got.
1: I do Heck, he's,
3: he's the brand, man. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah.
5: good as my glasses help me see, yeah. I don't wear them turkey hunting because yeah. I had a turkey that the only reason I can come yeah. up with in my head that he saw me was... I was wearing my glasses. Bobby has that too, but his right. were just
1: fogged up. Yeah, I, I think
5: that turkey is still <laughs> flying because
1: I've never yeah. seen a turkey. I saw this turkey. He missed this turkey. Oh, I'm sorry for telling you missed. Oh, did you? Yeah. Do you miss things sometimes? I I, I missed that one. Yeah, you for sure. sure. I'm I'm pr- i suspect to
2: mess one up. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was it every, so excited. Yeah, but, but that one was my first experience with glasses, so that's what I'm chalking that one up to. Yeah. That that was a bad experience. He's do the exhale. <laughs> yeah. So here's the deal, Austiners, real quick. We, I carry Lanny into my little spot, and there's two turkeys in there, goblin. And we get really close. He flies down, and he, he was supposed to come straight to us, and then Lanny could kill him, but he comes to the side. And there he, and so I, Turn my He head knew where that
1: turkey was coming, by the way. Don't, don't let him put this like – he put me in the pole position now. Yeah,
2: so when, when I slowly turn my head and see him, he's standing there at about 25 This yards. turkey is when as tall I him, as I am. <laughs> I start breathing heavy, and my glasses just immediately fog. So this I'm was looking my... at him going, what is going on? This is the first time I've worn glasses. Yeah. So. so they fog up, so then I can't see anything. So I try to calm down and let the glasses unfog, and the turkey's still standing there. Uh, so, I mean – just so right. Then right. the turkey gobbles and <laughs> my glasses immediately fall right back, right back up again. And, and
1: I'm watching this whole thing for 15 yards going, it's going on. It was terrible. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, he airmailed one and. We still talk about this turkey. I've never seen a turkey. I've seen, you know, you've seen turkeys take wing and then come back down. This turkey flew out of the timber canopy and we saw him go over the horizon. I don't know yeah, where he I mean, flew down. He, yeah, he, he might have landed in Mobile. Missouri. Yeah, yeah I Another zip Yeah,
5: he has go. He's
2: gone for sure. So, anyway, why don't we take a, just a break and see if we can get Mark on the phone? Okay. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. <music> I thought it was appropriate, if we're talking about the toughest turkeys, and the one thing you have to have is uh, this is this one's sponsored by Browning. So, uh, you know, that Browning
1: shotgun, is, it just don't get much better than that. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I used some Browning shotgun shells last year. Yeah? That proved pretty effective, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Uh, well, I'm just a huge fan of Browning. I know you guys are as well. And so they got this new shotgun, the Maxis. It's a really, really good Neat looking gun, and this the A five. They brought back the A five, guys. Y'all, it's a legend. To, y'all mm-hmm. need to hold one of those. They're they're fine. So, talking about toughest turkeys, we couldn't do that without talking about Browning a little bit. You want not tell our Browning turkey hunting story. Yeah, go ahead.
1: When I killed one, and you didn't.
3: Uh, had we already told? Oh, <laughs> we have already told <laughs> that. We don't need to
1: bring that back <laughs> yeah. up again. You're right. <clears throat> yeah. Well, again, you got the you got the best
2: spot. It makes all the difference in the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, wild, <laughs> Let's get
2: Mark on the phone. Here we go. Here we go. Hello. Hello, Mark Womack. How are you doing?
4: Doing good. How are
2: you, Bob? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm sitting here. I got Dudley Phelps and Lanny and Austin Delano, and we're just doing a little podcast. We are talking, talking about turkeys. That's right. Imagine that. Oh.
4: That's right. Oh. That, <laughs>
2: So uh, we thought we'd reach out to you. We don't, we know you're traveling. We don't want to keep you a long time. We want you to be safe while you're driving there, Mark. But we wanted to ask you: uh, Where are the, in your opinion? You've turkey hunted all over the country, but where do you
1: think the toughest turkeys are? Am I asking that right, Lanny? Yeah, I would say that. You know, the toughest turkeys, the yeah. slickest. You know, yeah. the ones that you think about when you lay in bed at night, and where you gonna put, how you're gonna put the moves on them. The most
4: evil. Uh-huh. You know what I've. I've kind of got a, a little bit different perspective than a lot of people because a lot of people split that into subspecies of turkeys. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, those Marian's are, are dumb or those Rios are dumb. The Eastern's are the hardest turkeys you ever hunt in the world. Sometimes that's true, but I have also been to Texas on Rio hunt where there are thousands, it seems like, of turkeys on a roost. And you can't get one to respond for any amount of money in the world. So it, I, I feel like a lot of that depends on the time of year and the mood that the certain turkey's in. And, and I mean, the subspecies species has something to do with it. I do feel like that is the case sometimes. I'm, I, I would still say that a southeastern hardwood swamp turkey you know, of the eastern those pieces is probably still the hardest overall, but I've had my butt kicked plenty of times by rios or mearins or osios or whatever too. So I, I'm a little bit, a little bit different <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, look,
1: t- you know, we're not that's saying any of them are easy to kill. That's <laughs> yeah.
3: a good point. I yeah, that's a that's point. a different perspective because uh, you know it's kind of like when you're duck hunting and and. You know, you decoy 30 ducks, and they end up getting away, you know, because you have a hard time picking the right one to shoot at, you know. Mm-hmm. You know in the case of turkeys, there's just too many there, and you don't, you're don't. you not really able to call directly at one of them. Well, the scenario he described, and that's, that's, frust- that's frustration. I mean, yeah, what
1: are you right. going to do? One, wow. You know, you're one hen versus, well, some people sound like more more than one hen, but I
4: sound like I think about one hen. Yeah. You know, how do you You know, the other hand? thing Another kind of thing I've I've taught is that turkeys that are well established in an area are harder to hunt than turkeys that are just getting established to an area. Um I we used to we're well, growing up we hunted around uh, in North Georgia. And there was a two hundred acre track there that something about those that two hundred acre track, the turkeys weren't super well established and they were just just moved into that area. They'd just been Repopulated, you know, 15 years before or something like that. I think that was the late seventies, early eighties. They, they really worked hard on that. Um, but in this property, it was right on the river, but that 200 acres was the most responsive turkeys I've ever, still to this day, have hunted for a 200 acre track. But then a lot of times you, um, you hunt well established turkeys that have been there for 20, 30 years. And it seems like they, the pecking order, they've already kind of figured it out. So I don't know if they hear somebody yelping, they go, ah, that doesn't sound sound familiar. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it seems like that has something to play into it as well. Like how well established they are in that area.
1: Yeah, I can see that 100. percent Totally, because we talk about you know them establishing their hierarchy and the, the the flock reshuffling. You know, if you just hit some new ground and somebody over there talking to you, you might go over there and see what's up. <laughs>
4: yeah, for sure.
3: That makes
1: total well,
4: sense. It, I've had a I've had a slam dunk turkey hunt. Always turns south. It seems like oh, this is this was coming into this field every day. I'm usually like, no, I'm I don't want to hear slam dunk. A slam dunk is never a
1: slam dunk. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. That's what I love about it because it's all, they're always going to take a right turn on you at some point, no matter what you, how far ahead of them you think. I say most of them.
4: Oh, you know for
2: sure. You know, Mark was talking about the Rios, mm-hmm. and, and my experience with those birds, are it seems like when they wake up that morning, they've got their mind made up where they're going to go, and and if you're not on that side of the roost, it. It, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter how good you sound. They're going to go where they've got their mind made up. That's
4: Man, been my And experience. it
1: may be at four o'clock in the morning. That's right. Hey, <laughs> I, I looked to your point, Mark. I've been in Texas before and had uh, as many turkeys, as many long beards in front of me as I've ever had. And I walked out of there empty handed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. So. Yeah. They,
4: they hit the ground in the dark sometimes. So we, I mean, filming especially, it's hard to. Um, you could shoot them probably if, if you were just hunting, but a lot of times filming, all you see is a white head. I mean, they'll be twenty yards away, and you'll see a white head. I'm like, I think that's a turkey right there, strut. <laughs> and what in the world so dark? And they fly down early.
2: Wow, that's fun. Well, Mark, uh, last question: What if there is there one thing in your turkey vest that you just can't live without?
4: Yeah, I, I have, I carry a box stall, uh, I, I wear my yappers around, so I don't, I don't consider that in my vest, gotten to where I don't, I'm lost without my binoculars.
1: Hmm, what a uh, good one, good one.
4: That's one that I've, I, you know, years ago I never carried binoculars, but then once I started, you walk up and sneak up on a food plot, that's. That could be the difference in killing a turkey and not killing a turkey. If you see them before they see you, which is rare, um, but if you can see them and you know set up on that road and try to get them to come out of the food plot, you, you got a way better chance of killing them. So, I just found out I, I use them a lot more than than anything else, really. Probably yeah. more than my yelpers.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's, mm-hmm. good. that's right. That's, that's a good one. That may be the best one so far. So, well, I like my yelpers. Oh we know that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, you do. So so everybody Mark Womack is a, just a he, he's a creative genius. He's produced a lot of television on the Outdoor Channel and others and Yeah. And Great uh his company's brand. called Sub7. Mark, we appreciate you being on here today. And uh you hated Turkey
4: yeah, hunting, you. Mark? Are yeah, you- listen to this. So I was filming in Tampa yesterday. And I had I literally was filming uh for for the sister plumber, you know, the faucets and shower heads and stuff like that. So I was filming down there for them, plumbers of all things. And evidently it's plumbing season and not turkey season. So I was I was a little bit bummed because I was like, well, I could go a couple hours south. I think the season's already in down there. But it's frustrating to be in Florida and not be turkey hunting this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of got a rat thinking about it, actually. So. <laughs> all right
2: well you be careful traveling home we appreciate you being on the podcast with us thanks mark
4: yeah appreciate you guys talk to you
1: soon all right thanks mark
4: all right right.
1: yeah that was a good one he's a great guy that sure was a good one he uh he is
3: lethal in the turkey woods yeah he's got a
1: yelp on him for sure he uh you know we went after we were headed down to Macon, me and jess and him one day and uh he he departed some wisdom on. Jess and I were talking about what you know where we wanted to go, and and Jess said, "You want to go hunt catfish hunter?" and I, and you uh, know a named turkey, obviously. Right, right. And we looked at Mark, and said, "What do you think?" He said, "I prefer not to hunt turkeys with names." <laughs> 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 I was like, "That sounds good." So we didn't go, and we ended up uh, we ended up uh, connecting on a long beard. That's the one that Jess couldn't hold that you were so happy about. Yeah,
2: I remember that. Holding him up by his neck. (laughs) 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 It just kills him. (laughs) Disrespectful. (laughs) 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 Isn't it it
5: funny that, you know, especially within the South, there's a code that we go by. In pre-hunt stuff, during the hunt stuff, after the hunt stuff. You know, for years we've always sent each other pictures of a foot on the head. Yeah, I mean, yeah that started that. Yeah. yeah, Bobby got me doing it fifteen something years ago, yeah. and I, st- I I do it now without thinking about I, it. Absolutely, the first thing I'm but seeing to do somebody drag one or uh, take a picture with one slung it over the shoulder, holding it by the head. You're like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, what it is, is a new thing? thing? Is that a
3: fall turkey or something?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think like the, the houndstooth guys. I don't know who started carry Wicks. I mean, some of those other guys started with these slings and wrap them around the head. But yeah, it is. I guess it's maybe the newer generation of turkey hunters. I keep on saying things that refer uh, that affirm the fact that I'm a dinosaur. I'm just so. <laughs> glad they're turkey hunting. Yeah, you know, no doubt don't about it. I wouldn't
3: be negative about that. Oh, but, absolutely but, like, not. I, it's just, I, I just, it's different. We yeah. have our own things that we grew up around and, and are used to. It's just to me the
1: feeling of holding those feet on my shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, I call it turkey butt. Yeah. If you're going to pick up a turkey, you grab him by his feet and hold him up. Now, a friend of
2: mine, uh, uh, Rhett Kelly, who who has mounted a lot of the stuff in here. So, as you know, I like to have things mounted. Looking around, I can uh,
1: definitely tell that. (laughs) But he
2: taught me early on. He's a really good turkey hunter. He taught me early on that if you kill one and you think this might be something you want to get mounted, you get to him as quick as you can and you pick him up by his feet. And you hold him out away from you, so his wings because uh, he's going to flop and beat yep. his wings, and, and all he's going to knock feathers and, off of him, and let him do all that instead of flopping on the ground and losing feathers. Oh, yeah. So then you have the option if if he is something that you wanted to have mounted. So you wherever,
1: can catch a spur that way now. You, I'm going to tell you yeah, because you, you, you I've can, had you several. <laughs> yeah, you,
2: you certainly can. So uh, that, but I've just I've just uh, I, you know I, with,
1: by the, holding him by the feet, and uh, you know, toxic changed me of this, especially when I hunt with him. But you know, they're running out there and grabbing him. You know, that's uh No. That's yeah, something it, I do. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it makes me crazy. Yeah, it makes me you crazy. And I can't I just all I can do not to do it. I was you know, I, I was I'm scared told they're gonna get away. You know, I've had to run several of them down. So yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah. you
2: with, uh, th- I mean, with Lanny, there's uh, usually multiple shots fire out at yeah. uh, some point. Hey.
1: Oh, <laughs> hey. that's scaring me. Hey, hey. I think I'm hitting my target at least. I'm oh, bringing uh, it back it, to it, me. Yeah. yeah,
5: or if you hunted with Bobby, you're trying to shoot before he does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. you know.
1: <laughs> my ears are still ringing from hunting with him. Good great. grief. Uh, Lanny, uh, Austin's got a good, we had a good
3: one one time. But it was within a split second. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was.
3: But I mean, I remember. I mean, now now that we have these fancy loads, it's it's different. But uh, I remember shooting at a target with my dad, and there being like six pellets in the head, and being excited. You had to get being excited about that. And if you shot and didn't get up and run at the turkey, you were an idiot. Well, yeah. I think in the old days that's what they taught you to do. No, right.
2: that's, that's how I learned you try, to do it. Get over there and stand on his head. That's how I learned and, to do b- it. And but you know, one, one thing that we've learned through the years: if you've killed him, you know you've killed him. Oh sure. But but then if there are other turkeys there, you know, you're just trying not to educate them because it scares the heck out of them when you jump up and yeah, especially right. me. And it, <laughs> yeah, it, but it oftentimes just the gunshot itself doesn't necessarily freak them out. Right. Maybe it's something similar
1: to a. Thunder, but when you get up and run,
2: now that 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 changes the game. That freaks me. I, out.
1: I mean, I can tell you, one, two, three. I know about a handful of turkeys that I would not have gotten to the house if I hadn't mm-hmm. run on. Oh, yeah. Well, you every year you have a story about choking the wrestling one night. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this turkey right here. Yeah, that
1: turkey right there. Yeah. I had to put him in the old uh, sleeper (laughs) because I ran out of shells. (laughs) Imagine that. Uh, (laughs) 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 All right. So, look, we got
2: another guest. Let's call Chuck Seitz. Um, Lanny, you made a to text you his number? Yeah, How about yeah. Okay. We don't want the number to go out over the air here. So.
1: 205.
4: <laughs> no, actually, it's a 334.
2: Oh, wait. <laughs> All right. Be good to talk to Chuck. Hello, Chuck Sykes. What's up? Hey, this is uh this is Bobby Cole and I got Dudley, Dudley Phelps and Lanny Wallace Ooh. and Austin Delano and we're all sitting here talking turkeys. How you doing?
4: I'm I'm much better than I was this time yesterday. Hmm. I still get to do a little consulting every once in a while and we took a morning off and drove to Selma and looked at a pretty little tract of land and now I got to go back to Montgomery and Get back into politics again. It's nice to clear your head every once in a
1: while. Man, mm-hmm. hey, Selma's the place to do it too. We had a lot of good times down there. Yeah. Now Chuck is the uh, correct me if I'm
2: wrong. Now Chuck, well, I want to introduce you. Right, we. Hey, look, we accidentally gave out your cell phone number a minute ago. On no there, big
3: deal.
1: So, no yeah. big deal. But
3: uh, <laughs> that's fine. I've got yours too. Remember, <laughs> I can return the 24- <laughs> money. <laughs> so,
4: so Chuck is
1: the
2: uh, the director of the conservation department. Is that how your title reads, Chuck?
4: It, it's too long. It's head of the complaint department. and Director of wildlife and freshwater fisheries.
2: Okay. All nice. right. Well, now Chuck is a is a uh, one of the best biologists I've ever met. He's uh, seriously, really loves turkeys. Yep. And uh, and loves all hunting, but mm-hmm. uh, he's in a great spot to help everybody. But there at, at Alabama at this position, and we're just we're real proud of you, Chuck, for what you're doing, and, and all that. And uh, so he's taking on the big job while we're over here hunting turkeys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. So Chuck, we wanted to ask you, and you may be a little jaded, but we know you've hunted all over the country and chased uh, you know all the species of turkeys. But where do you think the the toughest turkeys are?
4: You, you can answer that for me. You know where they are. Yeah. They're in they're in Mississippi and Alabama. There's no if, ands, or buts.
2: Well, that's kind of um, what we were I, expecting you to say. But
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I the Midwestern turkeys. I love to hunt them. They're big. They're hard goblin, They're real fun. But there's nothing like trying to chase a turkey down here in South Alabama or South Mississippi. That's had every redneck in the world yelping to it since January when they're getting tired of deer season. (laughs) And there's there's nothing like it. And I can call them a redneck because I'm one too. I've been there and done that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just these turkeys are, they get so much pressure. They're hunted so hard. If you can kill a three or four year old turkey down here, you can kill a turkey anywhere.
3: Yeah, that's hard to disagree with. Yeah, it is.
1: Chuck, do you think it's more about, I mean, Bobby and I talk about this all the time, you know, is it a terrain thing, you know, because, you know, a lot of places we hunt, uh, unless it's been a recently harvest, you know, it's, it, you don't see as much, not as much visibility, or do you think there might be a distinct pot chance that, you know, maybe some of the original turkeys might have been in these, these real remote areas uh, would have stayed around and then interbred with the turkeys that introduced and... I don't know, made them tougher. I don't know, just what's your perspective on that?
4: I, I just think it's, these turkeys have been pressured since the beginning of time. Yeah. I mean, y'all tell me anywhere else in the country where wildlife in general is pressured as much as it is down here. A lot of places If Bobby, you know, we used to travel all over and hunt together. You could go knock on somebody's door and say, I want to go hunt that turkey out in your pasture, and they say, yeah, go ahead. We don't hunt turkey. Yeah, that's true. It's not that way down here. <laughs> no. These, these animals, deer and turkeys, get so much more pressure than a lot of places. They're just, you can call it genetics. You can call it uh, survival of the fittest or whatever, but I just think there's something different about these critters down here.
1: Well, we've always said if somebody's not hunting your turkeys, or if you're not hunting your turkeys, somebody's hunting your turkeys.
4: Well,
2: and he makes a point, you know, Uh, we've got the longest seasons. Yeah, that's true. And so, I mean, that's October 1st through the end of January that somebody's chasing that deer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have liberal seasons and liberal bag limits, and that's good. (laughs) Not as far as I'm concerned.
4: You know, a lot of people think just because the season's open, I've got to go hunt them every day. Yeah. They don't realize that it's not a mandate. You can you know, you can pick and choose. You can only kill two deer. You don't have to kill your three bucks. You don't have to kill a doe every day just because the season allows it. But some people are into the numbers game, and if it's legal to do it, they're gonna do it. So it's a lot of pressure.
2: Yeah, it does. It sure does. So Chuck, what is uh is there one thing that's in your turkey vest? One Item that you just, if, if, you, Can't if you forgot go it, you it. couldn't
1: live without? You'd turn around and go back home and get it.
4: Uh, really and truly, a boat battle call is one that if, if I don't have it, I feel naked.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: A loud it's local good. box,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. a box call has probably killed more turkeys than anything. I would mm-hmm. imagine. There's something about the sound of wood, too, in the woods.
2: You know, years ago, I heard, I, I read somewhere that somebody said, Somebody like Ben Rogers Lee said that I can always tell if it's a man with a diaphragm call out there. Right. But if he's got a really good box call, I can't always tell if that's a man or not. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that a
1: hundred percent. Very true. <laughs> I mean, I can tell when you're just <laughs> knows what your sounds like, but and Bill and Tyson. <laughs> Both people you hunt with,
4: well, when you get a hundred yards away from somebody with a diaphragm, it may sound good, but like you just said, you can typically tail, but you get a hundred yards away from somebody that really knows how to run a pops call, it'll make the hair stand up on back you. there. I mean, it, it is 100% turkey, so that is that is my go-to. Yeah,
2: yeah that's
4: The cool. other thing that I really won't go without, because I've gotten older and lazier, if I hadn't got my chair... I'm gonna go back
2: to the truck. I'd rather <laughs> leave my shotgun <laughs> in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that caught me by
4: surprise.
2: Uh, that's good. Yep, a chair and a thermosail has killed more turkeys than any call ever. Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. Lanny let Wade in with the thermosail. Yeah, the, the, thermo the chair the cool.
3: chair game has really picked up lately. You you see a lot of these you know ultralight you know folding chairs that you can put over your shoulder, low to the ground. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody was using the you know the the inner tube things, still the whatever's built tuber. into yeah, their vest. Yeah. But you see a lot yep. of people now carrying these fancy uh, low profile chairs, yeah. and I can't blame I, I will
4: them. not go. I will not go without it. I mean, it's and I usually have two or three extras with me. Where if I'm going with somebody and they don't, and I want them to be still, they're going to carry that chair in there where they. Be comfortable and sit
5: still. That's probably the biggest thing, and I've just started using one in the last couple of years. But when you start taking kids, you know, my wife loves to shoot a turkey in the face as much yeah. as anybody. Mine too. Being comfortable trumps all else when you hunt the way we hunt where, okay, this turkey didn't work. Let's go get on another one. Mm-hmm. But if you can get against the right tree and sit down and be comfortable, number one, you keep your, you keep your gun steady. Mm-hmm. You can always adjust. You need and keep that gun right at the level you need to. Versus getting really tired and having to hold that thing the entire time. You just you don't get that. You know, foot up underneath you. my back's, My back's cramped. Mm-hmm. My legs cramped. Mm-hmm. You know, roots are eating me up. <laughs> oh man. Well, and a lot of I'm times give me a chair, man. <laughs> there, well, there's there's the times that you get in
4: spots where you don't have a good tree. You're hunting on the edge of a pasture. You're hunting on the edge of a clear cut, or something like that. Or you need to get get out in the clear cut. You can take that chair and get next to a root ball, mm-hmm. and you're comfortable in your head.
3: Back up into some briars or something.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 true.
3: So, uh, Chuck, is there uh, how how is the the
2: app that you guys have developed now? Are all the the turkey hunters and deer hunters do they need to have that downloaded to their phone? Is that is that the direction That's that technology is going? Yeah.
4: It it is. It's the easiest, most uh, efficient way to do it. You don't have to carry a piece of paper. You don't have to carry a pen. You download the Outdoor Alabama app, and it'll take you about 45 seconds to do everything that you need to do. While you're standing there and the turkey's still flopping, you can go ahead and register him and be done with it.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think most states have that now, so anybody listening probably has got something similar wherever Mm -hmm. they are.
1: It's yep. new for us they in the do. south to have to check stuff, yeah. You know? And when I, first time I went to the Midwest, they are like, you know, how do y'all tag? I was like, what's that? <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. put it in the back of the truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, the technology is there. Uh, we need it too. So I know that information is huge for y'all to be able to make the best decisions as possible for the wildlife of the state. So it's a great thing. Everybody needs it, to. we is. About we're we're
4: about five years into. Game check with our deer numbers, <clears throat> and this year I think is the first year that we finally got enough compliance where I am really confident in what we're getting. Uh, last year we had about ninety four thousand deer recorded. This year we had a hundred and ninety five thousand. recorded. Oh, wow. wow! Good. So Good. we're we were we were anticipating forty percent, forty five percent. What we were estimating now, I think we're going to be around eighty-five to ninety percent compliance this year. So that's where we need to be. And we took we took that data already, and we have fine tuned some of our deer zones with it. So for that's all great. the people that said we don't need that data and we're not doing anything with it, well, we are up in Austin's neck of the woods up there, where we got zone C and D and. We're fine tuning each year based on on what our biologists think, but also based on hunter numbers and what they're killing in those areas. So it it's working. It's doing exactly what we told everybody it would do.
5: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm super pumped about it because, and Chuck will attest to this. Y'all have all hunted Alabama. There's no other state that probably has more variation amongst the deer herd than Alabama. Yeah, good point. Well, it has
3: it has more physiographic regions, I believe, than any state in the U.S.
5: I mean, I can think off the top of my head of a solid five different areas you could go to and hunt five distinct ruts, Hmm. you know, hardcore chasing.
4: No, absolutely, and we can go back and prove the science behind it. We've got traditional stocking data, and all this is is on outdooralabama.com. Anybody can go back, check me on it. But we've got stocking data from where deer were brought in from a half a dozen different states where they were released. To this day, and this was in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, to this day, those deer still rut the way they did back then because our deer numbers were so low at that time, it didn't get washed out. Mm-hmm. So those, those Michigan deer or those North Carolina deer They still rut like they're in Michigan. So you can realistically hunt the rut in Alabama. And I'm not talking about a secondary. I'm talking about peak rut, November, December, January, and February, just depending on where you are in the state. And some of that is within the same county.
2: (laughs) And that's just really outrageous.
5: Never thought about it that way. It's hard to explain that to somebody from the Midwest that's never – hunted in the south and never experienced, number one, a rut that takes place after Thanksgiving. Right. But talking about a state where you can hunt three, four, five different distinct rut areas as far as from the north, and it doesn't necessarily matter north to south. Obviously, the northern part of the state has areas that tend to come in first, but there's also vice versa. There's some spots, Chuck, if I'm not mistaken, like down around southeast uh, Alabama. Yeah, that yeah down around
4: Ufawa. In yep. Russell and Barber counties down in there, you could literally hunt three or four ruts in the same county. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and then wild. you
2: go right across the river, and it's it's in October, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In Georgia, I think.
4: It, it's, yeah, Georgia rut is early. But we have some of the Georgia influence, and then we've got some of the other states' influence. And just for example, up in North Alabama, we took deer back in the 40s and 50s from Red T. Stimson Sanctuary down in Clark County, and put them at Redstone Arsenal. So those deer at Redstone, they rut just like they're in Southwest Alabama, which is why we felt like we needed to have the February extension not just in South Alabama because we did relocate deer from South Alabama to North Alabama. And they don't, they don't know where they are. They're just doing
5: their thing. Hmm. Yeah, pretty right. unique. Very unique. Well,
2: Chuck, we've enjoyed having you on here. Is there anything before we let you go that you want to communicate to the anybody that's going to hunt Alabama this spring?
4: One of the biggest things, Bobby, is we want people to be safe. We're on track right now to have the fewest hunting accidents and fewest fatalities that we have ever had since we've been keeping records from the mid-'70s. Wow. And I want to keep it that way. Yeah. We have yeah. done a huge educational campaign. Technology is getting better with tree stands and safety lines and lifelines and safety harnesses. And we're we're getting over the edge right now and we are we're on track to be the safest on record and I wanna keep it that way. Identify your target, it's not worth it. There's plenty of turkeys, there's plenty of deer, don't take a chance on making a mistake. And and the other thing that I really wish people would pay attention to, and you said it when we first started, me and my staff are not a bunch of idiots that have never hunted. We are hunters. I was a hunter a long time before I was a biologist, and I was a biologist a long time before I was a director. When we're proposing changes and nobody likes change, there is a reason. We're not just sitting in Montgomery behind a closed door saying, "Hmm, who are we going to screw with now? Let's see what we can do. There's a reason for it. And I really wish people would just step back and think a minute before you pop off. Because we are hunters. We are fishermen we're not doing this job to be millionaires. If we were, we'd be in the seed business or the camo business.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. right.
4: (laughs) We're we're doing this because we love it, we love the resource, and we want to leave it back.
1: That's exactly right. You're a public servant, that's what you are.
4: Yeah, and that's, that's what the real takeaway I would love for people to understand. It may have been this way in the past, where people making decisions were not hunters or fishermen, but it's not that way anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I believe that. I sure do. And not only hunters and fishermen, but gamekeepers. That's I mean, right. Yeah, Chuck's been—he's O.G.K. man. Yeah, he, <laughs>
2: is, man. yeah he, <laughs> is. he really is. Well, Chuck, we've enjoyed having you on, and and uh, and, and thanks for what you're doing over there. And stay in touch with us.
4: Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one.
1: All right, Appreciate Thank you, Thank Chuck. you
4: Chuck. Thanks, buddy. All right, that was Chuck. Tell Austin, said. tell Austin to stay out of the gym, or he's gonna be so big he ain't gonna be able to get in the room with y'all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's on that biologic diet. He's in two All chairs, over here alright you All right, uh, y'all have a good one. Thanks, thanks, Chuck. thanks Chuck. See you, buddy.
3: See you. Yeah, so Chuck, he's got a he's got a big job over there, huge in job. He's, and I was gonna mention that earlier that that change is what. Freaks people out, you yeah. know, and uh, that that's a tough job, you know, being on the front lines trying to help make the rules that are going to benefit the public, you know.
1: Well, knowing Chuck personally, too, you know his, uh, you know, you know he's making decisions based on the wildlife. So that is good because there has been, you know, who these people making these decisions, <laughs> but I can guarantee you, you know, where his heart is. No, so. absolutely. Right.
2: And I think he's travels around the state and maybe, you know, speaks at a, in a local area, if they're making a change, and I, you know, I think people get up there and ask him a lot of questions, yeah. and it just it's, you know, they 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 don't think that there's that they just don't stop and think before they ask those questions and run
5: off at the mouth. Right. Yeah. We
3: we need more chucks out there helping to run the states.
1: Yeah, creating the yeah. policies right. that like yeah. benefit
5: the wildlife. Yeah, I think you know one of the biggest assets he's got for doing the job he's in right now is. Where he's been before that, just as he said, he was a hunter first. He spent years as a private wildlife right. biologist. He's also seen the industry side of the hunting business, yeah. mm-hmm. and so all that's you know, I mean, that's just big time experience for making decisions for the public on seeing it from a lot broader perspective. Yeah, you know, and and what uh, just like up in our neck of the woods this year, where when you dropped your deer off at a processor. You had to have your confirmation number from Game Check and your license number. I mean, all that's just killer info wow. for guys yeah. at making the decisions because all of a sudden now there's a lot of people that process at least one deer a year. You know, so all of a sudden the guy that you you didn't get any info from him you didn't know how many deer a year they killed, right? Or now what the know. what the you know sex was of the deer. Now you know uh, not only for buck age structure deer density all sorts of things but you're also getting info on you know these the guys that kill 20 deer a year guys that kill one deer a year i mean because there's a big big gap like chuck was saying there's you can kill a lot of deer in states like alabama mississippi and somebody take full advantage of you know shooting a lot of deer for them their families and all the types of other people Mm -hmm. but uh Really good, invaluable information Mm -hmm. when you can get it like that. Yeah, and
1: good data. I mean, they got to have good data to make good decisions. You know, especially you know from a biological perspective. So yeah,
2: yeah. And I guess there still are people that are just scared to give them that information, and there's no
1: reason to be that way. Look, I mean, I'm I was one of them. You know, I'm a public land hunter, and I don't want to disclose where. I don't mind telling you what I did. I just don't necessarily want to tell you where I was doing it. Yeah. So, but I'm 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 as the years go by, I'm more uh, free with that information. You Should be.
3: To I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, like, hey, uh, and, and I sure checked everything in Alabama with the truth at the exact moment. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It, you know, and some of the stuff you kind of got to stop and think because right? we hunt multiple states and some right. of them the laws are a little bit different. And you certainly don't want to do anything,
3: and violate any laws. So, yeah. you just have to think about the big picture. That's right, Dudley, every time.
2: So uh, let's keep this thing moving. Why don't we uh, just do an Ask Dudley if we've got one prepared. Hey! What you got, Dudley?
1: Dudley. Mac, mac. Where's Mac? There he is.
0: Hey, Dudley. This is Josh Thompson from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, Dudley. What do you think about frost seed and clover in Tennessee? My lease is in the Tennessee River Bottom near Chattanooga. It's mostly ag, but they will allow me to have a few plots. Thanks.
3: John. good question josh um and i'd like i'd i'd like to get uh austin's perspective on this as well
1: um, it's kind of open his turf area yeah. yeah
3: yeah austin's austin's he can,
1: he can grow clover on rocks up there so. sure <laughs> you have to um, yeah. you have a choice.
3: josh clover seed uh you know it's a perennial um, and now's the time of year to do it if you're going to do it um and folks in the midwest upper midwest are 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 doing it uh you can put it out on the snow Uh, most people like to wait until right before it's done melting to put it out um in the south uh we this is tough we don't necessarily recommend it uh but if you're just doing a couple of acres uh, and you're in the river bottom you've got moist soils um i say go for it you know it it can be hit or miss, uh, but, you know, why not? I'm, I know that's kind of a vague answer, and, and I want Austin to help back me up. But, you know, a lot of times, uh, for example, at my farm on some of my creek bottom ground, uh, the clover grows year-round in the shade. It doesn't go through that little dormant stage uh, so the north-facing side of a lot of my bottom fields, the, the clover doesn't even go dormant in July and August. And and if you've got some areas like that and you've got some seed, I would target those areas. Uh, just be ready when all the weeds pop up here in two, three, four weeks uh, that you might need to do some grass control and whatnot. But uh, I'd, I'd love to hear Austin's take on that while we've got him here, too.
5: Yeah. Um I think once you get south of the Mason-Dixon line, it's a lot bigger than gamble. Um, sometimes you frost seed, which in our in our weather pattern, it's more like you're frozen, freezing ground seeding. You're waiting <laughs> for – I look for a two- or three-day stretch where it's going to get down in the mid-20s at night. There's a lot of moisture in the ground, and during the day, it's going to get up in the 50s. And what you get is that heaving of the soil – where it sounds like you're walking on cornflakes because mm-hmm. the ground is crusted over and it almost crumbles underneath your feet because of the moisture content. By the time twelve 1, 2 o'clock rolled around, it's wet and greasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so two or three days of that in a row, if you can frost seed on the front side of that, I think it takes the same you know, effect of doing it in a snow, um, which honestly it should be called snow seeding because that's the ideal you know, is of that snow pulling that clover seed down into that magical quarter inch range there. But for us, it's more like frozen ground seeding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's a gamble still. I mean, it's not even a hundred percent up north in the Midwest. It's still kind of a. It's probably going to work, but like you said, Dudley, being sure to be ready to control weeds is probably the biggest thing because it's it's not like these things are going to you are going to turn around and do this in early March. And the last week of March, it's a six-inch tall, lush clover sure. field. It's it, out. It's a it. The the,
3: the clover is going to wake up at the same time the weeds do.
5: Yeah, you're waiting on the soil temperature to get right to germinate that seed, and you're ahead of the grain. You're ahead of the game because you didn't till the soil, therefore less weeds. You didn't till the soil, therefore less moisture loss, and it germinated. It's going to take off slowly but surely, and if you have controlled the weeds and your pH is in good shape. Your nutrients are in good shape. It's probably going to do pretty good, but it can very easily get taken over by weeds if you're not ready to spray mid and late April, um, and you'll never know whether your frost seeding was all that effective or not.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's one of the gambles uh, in that the clover will not develop a strong enough root system to weather through a hot July and August.
5: Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing that people don't, don't see is even I think back to your like twenty twelve when we had zero rain in May and it was extremely hot. Mm-hmm. Well if you frost seeded that year in Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, you probably got no stand because there's just not yeah. enough time for that clover to build enough of a root system to come back and make it through that and do it, its job of being a perennial. Right. So, you know, up north you get a your cushion and, and margin for air is just way bigger. You know, because you could say, "Okay, my frost seeding didn't do well, so I'm gonna go plant it in May." Well, i right. have got great moisture, the weather's good, but you know, we may have 95 degree days by the time into May it's right. here easy. and the and the rain shut off, and not see another one until October. You just never know. So, yeah, yeah, Bobby, no doubt. Well, it sounds like we missed the prime opportunity to frost
1: ice seed down here a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: The the only reason I was like go for it is is because of where he is. He's mm-hmm. in a river bottom. You know, yeah. if you were doing logging decks on ridge tops and things, I'd I'd Couldn't say wait wait till the fall.
5: Yeah, and the good thing is, besides maybe a little bit of loss in the you know the the input on seed cost, you haven't lost anything so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you frost seed and it doesn't do what you expected, you know you're not you've still got the You know, the summer and fall to get stuff going, depending on what you want to plant. That's true. So it's not a total waste of time or anything. And sometimes it's maybe just not as good a stand as it could be. And you can, you know, come back in there and and overseed it it in the fall or put some cereal grains in there with it to help it get on its way and thicken it up. Because they sleep and then they leap. That's part of it.
2: All right, guys, that's good. Thank
4: you, Mr. Know-it-all. Man.
5: <laughs> Plural know-it-alls.
2: Yeah, know-it-alls. <laughs> All right, that's well, uh, Lanny, what did we learn on this
1: one? Uh, let's see. I learned, man, let me back up a little bit. I bet you're going to get you a chair to sit in. <laughs> I don't know. You know You know how fidgety I am. I move a lot. I don't like to totem. I don't like to carry I, I don't either. I, I've gotten, you know, I think you and I have talked about this. I've gotten to where I used to, like, have all this stuff with me, and I like having as little as possible yeah, I now. I like to be nimble, Yeah, you know, yeah. and. I'm going to leave it somewhere if I can. Yeah, yeah, it. plus mm-hmm. I'm going to leave I'll it I'll go anyways. back and get that later. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't even use all that stuff anyways when it comes down to it, so. But uh, uh, Did you, you know, learn anything,
3: Dudley? Uh, I learned to be more scared of the insects that are going to bite me and. Give me problems, so
1: you, you've raised his paranoia. We've raised yeah. his paranoia about
3: ticks, and I'm tempted to try the chair thing. Yeah. yeah, I can see you in a chair.
1: Yeah, I can see him <laughs> in a chair too. Uh, 100%. You know, the I only thing I don't
3: carry me. 20 calls. You know, I, I may just take a mouth call or just a, a slate and a mouth call. Um, I don't necessarily need the vest with everything. So if I can just have a chair over my shoulder and a couple of calls in my pocket.
5: Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm good. The only thing that kept me from going from the chair earlier is, is that purist movement. We were talking yeah. about earlier, you know, it's like, it kind of goes against, eh, you yeah. know, but
1: I, you, hit, you hit the nail on the head with the kids and and the wife, you know, I'm used to being miserable. I remember Bobby and I at the dummy line one day and I sat, my back was out and I sat in a position till my whole body was numb for about, and there was a hen standing on my shoulder basically. <laughs> and, uh, Finally, I don't think I ran out that time because I just shot and fell over. (laughs) (laughs) You had to run out. A lot to be be said about that comfort thing when you're hunting with other people. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Well, I think, yeah, we might, I don't know, try a chair out one day. Yeah. I, I love my tube. I love my inner tube. I do too. So, well, I hope we had not put everybody to
2: sleep today. It's uh, it's, it's been one of us to kind of talk guests. a couple of guests. But uh, but turkey season is here. We're all excited about that. So, I think we probably covered everything. Austin, you got anything else you want to add? I see you over there texting and going away. You got...
1: (laughs) Man, these guys are fast.
5: Emails just piling up.
1: Uh, You get one or two a day, I know.
5: uh, Spring planting's here, man. Yeah. That's right. I mean, it's synonymous with turkey
1: season, so... That being said, I'll look over here at Dudley. We should be releasing some inventory on native nurseries. got my native nurseries cap on today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we want to – we're talking about this a lot to let people know how we manage our inventory. We only – like everybody's going on the website Go, oh, I don't have any trees this spring. That's not the case. We have trees. We're just not putting them available for shipment on the website until they're ready. We only want to ship out – you know, our first quality stock, all the the best things that we have. So it's coming,
5: fellas. Uh so get ready. Yeah, yep. that's that's great. Same thing with seed. I mean, we got two truckloads coming in. This a week. truck.
2: Yeah, a truck came in this was was here this There's morning. There's a lot of
1: seed here. back there right yeah, now. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so you know, to
5: have the freshest stuff available, we can't build it in December. That's right. We gotta wait until after the first of the year. You got germ tests to go through. This stuff just came out of the field a lot of times in right. October, November. You don't, you don't just throw it in a bag and sell it. So we have gone through everything, and it's arriving daily. Yeah, so the freshest seed, the freshest trees. I mean, here we go. We are the
2: best.
1: We like browning. We're the best there is. <laughs> I think they've already got that tagline. Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right, I'm excited. Now I'm excited. Well, guys, I appreciate everybody being here. Awesome. Thanks for driving down.
1: Yeah, enjoy uh, it. Why
2: don't you say goodbye, Dudley?
1: Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, please.